Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. Spooksters, and welcome back to another stabby snippet here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I'm joined with my ghoul friend, Jessica. Hello. Hello. And today we are going to be chatting about the Gannon Stouk case. I actually went to the Facebook group and left the fate of this episode in their hands. I put out a poll over there to see what you guys wanted to hear. And this is what had the most interest, so it's what I am going to be covering today. I don't know if I'll do that again anytime soon, but it was kind of cool to include you guys. So um, if you liked kind of having input like that, let me know. Maybe I'll make it a thing every so often. This case is insane, so buckle in if you have no idea anything about this. Gannon was last seen on January 27th at his home in Larson Ranch in the southeast side of Colorado Springs. You may have heard of this case, if you're not in our Facebook group and voted for it, because it has caught nationwide media attention and there's a ton of speculation in regards to some stuff and also a ton of unanswered questions. This is a really recent case in our time, which is Galentine's Day, February 13th. We are in week three since he has disappeared. Along with this, I think a majority of people also probably have strong feelings. I have my own personal feelings, but we'll get to that later. And then I'm excited to hear what you have to say about all this once I tell you, Jessica, (laughs) because I feel like you're going to have feelings. (laughs) I always have some sort of feelings. With that said, though, I hope we're able to have some of those answers soon and that there's a chance that Gavin can be found alive and is safe. And I just personally also want to say this story did tug at my heart because, you know, obviously I'm a parent, but I did call that area of Colorado my home for almost five years. So it was just a real scary sense of familiarity when it came to researching the case because pretty much everywhere they were mentioning, I not only basically lived in the same area, but I knew exactly where everything was. And I just feel like that just makes it just so much like hits you a lot harder because I don't want to say I'm desensitized, but it's like when you're researching or listening to true crime content when it's other places, it's just unfamiliar. And when it's somewhere where you live or that you have called home. I don't know. It just, it really stuck with me. So I'm really glad you guys voted on this. I get that. Yeah, because either way I was going to cover it. But enough with that though. I'll stop rambling. With Gannon, I'm going to walk us through what facts we do have. But before we start, this is, like I said, an ongoing investigation. And all of the following I'm about to tell you will, of course, be in the show notes and on our socials. Gavin is 11 years old and 4'9 and weighs approximately 90 pounds. 
He has brown hair and brown eyes, and he was last seen in a blue jacket and jeans. And if you happen to have any information that may help this case, please call the El Paso County Sheriff's Office at their tip line, which is 719-520-6666, or email them at tips at elpasoco.com. Okay, so like I said, lots to fucking unpack. And if you'd like to really deep dive, I pretty much lost myself in this. And there's like an insane amount of links on the sources page. So uh, start there once I'm done, if you would like to uh, check things out. I'm going to give you a little bit of family background so it kind of makes some sense. And then we're going to just jump right into the timeline. So Gannon lives in Colorado with his father. His name is Al and his stepmother, who's Letitia. And she is also referred to in stuff as Tisha or T. And then his younger sister, who I believe they said was eight. And then also a stepsister who was 17. His mother resides on the East Coast, and it is said that they had shared custody, but a little more on their family dynamic later. So I'm going to start my timeline a couple days before Gannon disappears. If you guys are following this, you know some of this stuff kind of has dropped randomly as we have went along. I kind of tried to lay it out as the days go on, so it made the most sense to not make it so confusing for everyone. We're going to start on the Saturday before he went missing on January 25th. Keep in mind, everything... For the weekend before he disappears and when he disappears, we only have what Tisha has to say to go off of because she's essentially the only one there. Got it. Yes. So on that Saturday, Tisha said that Gannon hurt his foot while helping clean up the garage because there was tools around. Al loved woodworking, so it sounded like this was basically his shop. She said that she bandaged his foot up and that was pretty much that. Nothing serious with it. He was good to go. Then the next day on January 26th, Sunday, during the day, Tisha and Gannon and his younger sister go hiking at Garden of the Gods. There is photo evidence that comes out later to prove this. It does look like Garden of the Gods and then also the incline. If you look at that picture, I'm not sure if they actually went on the incline. That's just kind of me speculating, but like that's a bit intense. So it's just little people get a little skeptical of things. But regardless. They went hiking because in one of the selfies, there was a hiker in the background, essentially. And he later confirms, yes, I was there that day. Like, he doesn't remember seeing them or something, I don't think. But he's like, yeah, I was there. So not an old picture, like some people think. Then that same day, that evening, Tisha says that Gannon accidentally turns over a candle Mm -hmm. and essentially it lights the carpet on fire enough to require it to be repaired because they're in a rental. We're going to get to this. But there's a video that surfaces with this exchange. I'm going to have you listen to part of it. Okay. But we'll get to that because I have that when that day releases. But just painting that picture for you. Okay. So then here we are, the day Gannon went missing, which is Monday, January 27th. It said that Gannon was too sick to go to school and supposedly was going to have a doctor's appointment. But Tisha decided to call the triage nurse line instead. And basically, I'm sure everybody kind of knows what that is, but it's like an advice line, basically. And according to Tisha's mother, who's not really the most reliable, according to some sources, Mm -hmm. but that Gannon was supposedly constipated and was prescribed basically a generic prescription of like Miralax. 
And then later that morning, Tisha and the kids leave the home in a red truck at approximately 10.15. It appears Gannon might be injured or looks like he's not feeling well because he's walking really slowly, not walking like a normal kid should, quote, quote. There's footage that comes out to where we kind of see this, but it's really hard to make out clear, clear details because it's it's a ring camera and it's their neighbors. Okay. But you see them leave. T and Gannon's sister are seen on camera at the store, but Gannon is not. If he was hurt or something like that, I guess it would make sense why he wouldn't be there. He may have sat in the car, that type of thing. And also sidebar, I don't want to put the impression like I'm sympathizing with this woman because mm, I'm not. But when going through stuff like this, I try to, I know we both try to be reasonable and unbiased with our stuff till we get to our opinion piece. (laughs) So nobody at me yet. Shit. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So it was said that the vehicle came back home at approximately 2.19 p.m. Basically, it pulls up on like the curb. It waits there a few seconds and then it backs in. Mm. A big thing to note from this footage is that we don't see Gannon get out of the car. And essentially, there's two times that Tisha and the sister are seen on surveillance footage in the store. It was said on one place it was a PetSmart. But besides that, we don't know where else she went. And that's about a four-hour block. So, you know, that's a problem. Again, according to Tisha, she says that that day, the last time that she saw Gannon was between 3.15 and 4 o'clock. So her details change a lot. That's another thing with this woman's problem. Her stories conflict a lot. So originally, one of the things was she said she was downstairs working out in like the basement or something. And he came in and asked to go over to a friend's house, but she couldn't recall what friend. But this is also the kid who was homesick from school that day? Mm-hmm. Okay. And she said he was told to be back within two hours, so to be home by 6. And she would end up calling authorities around 6.55 p.m. And during this call, she said he's ran away. Not that he's missing or been taken, but just ran away. So it's an interesting choice of verbiage to jump to that. It definitely is. But, of course, authorities aren't going to question a parent figure or a mom figure or anything like that at first when their kid is missing like that. So they, you know, they take the information and then they enter it into the state and national databases. And that's done by 7.32 p.m. But in regards to his character, from what other family members have said, this just doesn't sound right. So according to his aunt Veronica, gonna guess on his dad's side or his biological mom's, that he's a, quote, very loving child. Disappearing is totally out of character. He always has to be with somebody. So not a troubled, you know, preteen or anything like that. Got it. Also, in case any of you are wondering where the dad is during this time, he is part of the Colorado Army National Guard in the 100th Missile Defense Brigade, and he was said to be away at training at this time, so he was not home. Okay. Yes. And then, so we jump to the next day, and this is when the searches begin. Like, they just, you know, go full force. And the biological mom arrives to town. Her name is Landon Hoyt. And then over 200 people turn up to help search for Gannon. It's crazy. This community is just on fucking point with helping with the volunteers and stuff. It's it's amazing. Sounds like it. Mm-hmm. 
So on January 30th, this is when we have the first press conference. And it's something to be noted that Landon and Al, the biological parents, are there. But Tisha is not. Hmm. Also, along with this, the status of Gannon's case is changed from missing to endangered. Now, they say that the reasoning for that is because he was also taking medications. I'm not sure what kind because they didn't say, but that's all they would say. And then also that it's not a criminal investigation. It's still a missing persons. Another thing, if you're following this, the police are very tight-lipped with things, but we still get quite a bit of information to go off of. Also this day, there's a detail that's corrected that Gannon had been last seen at a come and go, which is a gas station if you don't live by one of those, on Mesa Ridge Parkway. And I know exactly where this fucking gas station is. So that's another I'm like, ugh, you know what I mean? Like, freaks me out. But this ended up actually being a different boy on the surveillance video when they went back and reviewed it and everything. The mom ended up of that other boy ended up confirming it was him and not Gannon. Got it. So January 31st, tips start to come in and the search is focused on the neighborhood in Larson Ranch. Along with this, we have an interview come out with Tisha, the stepmother who has been MIA. At this point in like real time, I've watched it multiple times. But the first time I watched this, I had the same gut feeling when I watched Chris Watts's initial interview. Oh, shit. And if I'm wrong... I'm fucking wrong, but I just have that bad feeling. Anyway, so if you haven't watched it, I'm going to give you the breakdown on all of this. It's on the sources page, and then it's also on the Facebook group. Tisha herself, she's wearing big sunglasses, cover her face, and a kind of long sleeve shirt, which I mean, fair, it's January in Colorado, but people had thought, yes, it's cold, but also to kind of conceal her body herself type of situation along with this and this was interesting to me she's not facing the camera when she's interviewing with this reporter her back is to the camera the whole time so you can't see her face but you can see her arms like you can still see her body language like how i'm talking right now with her hands and stuff it's still really really odd oh dude you have to watch it it's fucking weird especially the end. Anyways, so not even 30 seconds into the interview, she's on the fucking defense. She starts talking about having death threats sent to her, what everyone on the internet is saying about her and how everyone's being so negative and that's not what they should be doing and poor me, blah, 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 blah. She also goes on to talk about the encounter she had with authorities and that they were violating her rights and they were, quote, holding her during questioning and blocking the door. She said that she also asked multiple times if she could stop the interview and was told no. And along with that, she said she wanted to stop because she wanted to get a lawyer. And the reporter was like, "Okay, well, why did you feel like you needed to have a lawyer at this point? And she said, how detectives say things. She's like, I just wanted help understanding what they were saying, but they basically weren't letting her get a lawyer. So she says that that's why they had said she was being uncooperative with the beginning of this investigation. There wasn't any specific comments on this from the sheriff's department, so I can't really go too much into that side of things. Like I said, they're very tight-lipped, and if you watch these later press conferences and media releases and stuff, reporters are trying to drag stuff out, but it's all stuff that's obviously part of the investigation, so they can't say anything, you know? Right. So I get that. I get that. But basically, I'm questioning the uh, validity on some of the stories, she says. 
after this, she kind of starts talking about another interaction she had with the authorities. She was out shopping with her 17-year-old because at this point, Al kicked her out of the house. What? Okay. Mm -hmm. She said she got kicked out of the house and Landon was staying there. Anyway, so they were at like a Marshall's, basically. So they couldn't go home. They couldn't get clothes, nothing. They weren't safe, that kind of thing. So they were out shopping. Mm -hmm. Well, she says that when the law enforcement was approaching her, he was like adjusting his jacket or putting his jacket back on or something. And she says like, obviously, whatever, can't fault you for that. She said she didn't realize it was a cop and thought it was just a man with a gun on his hip approaching her. Okay. I mean, yes, you can have like open carry and stuff in Colorado, I believe. Like, I'm pretty sure he's probably wearing other stuff so you knew he was a cop, but okay, whatever. And her interview made it sound like it was this weird traffic stopper. They were in the middle of nowhere, but they were literally in a Marshalls. <laughs> you know what I mean? What a weirdo. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. They were there because they were towing her daughter's car. They were taking her daughter's car for some reason, which we don't know why. And they wanted the keys. So they had approached them to come get the keys. She said that they ended up handcuffing her daughter and then threatening her, like Tisha, by saying they were going to shoot her and all of this other stuff. And another interview said that she even alleged that they actually drew their weapons on her type of thing. I'm assuming she handed the keys over because, you know, here we are. Like, she's not in custody or anything. Spoiler. But again, focus of she's the victim, not anything on Gannon, really, at this point. Right. And she also likes to kind of throw little shady-ass comments, kind of little jabs about Landon, the mom, saying, I took care of him the last two years when she didn't want to, and other snide things like that, which I'm just like, that's not necessary if you actually cared about the child. Like, there was no reason to say that, but okay. Right. I don't understand. I just don't understand. Like, why would you want to draw any attention from finding this child? Yeah. And then she also makes other jabs at social media and things like that because she's pissed that like you can say whatever you want on social media, essentially, like because there's true crime groups and stuff like that. So, of course, people are discussing things and she's pissed that basically people aren't having their freedom of speech taken away. Mm. And then I have some more interesting stuff that I grabbed direct quotes. It's going to probably piss you off. Again, her focus, she keeps saying things about like she is certain he's alive, you know, that he's going to come home, not really mentioning, you know, I hope he's safe. I hope he's okay. You know, that kind of thing. And then that it would prove the naysayers and her haters, quote, quote, wrong, that they're all wrong about her. Because they think that you're playing a victim in a game in which a little boy is missing and it's all about you. And ugh. because people think she did it. Yeah. And another thing, if you go and watch this or you've watched it, go back and just watch the body language. Because I watched a video that analyzed this, of course, and it's in the sources for you, too. Uh, it's actually a really good YouTube channel from Canada. She talks about when she's talking about Ganon's not dead or there's these other stuff that she briefly mentions because I guess there's some kind of sketchy stuff with her job before she moved here. She was like an educator or something. But basically, that's neither here nor there. It's 
essentially she had to cut her contract because she did a military move. Mm -hmm. But she does this thing that parallels with Chris Watts. And anytime any of that comes up, her hands are up with the palms. And basically, that's kind of like a I'm innocent type of thing. You know what I mean? Like, I I didn't do it. That's what that means. Yeah. And it's called rugatory position. I'm probably saying that totally wrong. But basically, she's just, you know, innocent. And another one that a lot of people caught and the worst one that just kind of like makes your stomach like drop is that when asked about Gannon, you know, because the reporter is like, why don't you tell me about Gannon or, you know, let people know about like what kind of kid he is and things like that. She keeps talking about him in the past tense. And it's not even just once. It's not even twice. It's like multiple fucking times. Of course, the reporter asks about the hike and she just says she can't talk about it anymore. It's part of the investigation, but she can bring her 17 year old daughter out and she can confirm that it did took place. The dude's like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. You know, whatever. So her name's Harley. So she calls her out and she immediately starts coaching her. I'm sorry. She does. She says, quote, they want you to verify that Gannon was home after the hike. Okay, that part's fine. But then she says, quote, because you didn't go on the hike, but you came home from work. And then Harley starts to ask her, so you want me to say yes? And Tisha says, no, just answer the question. You came home from work and can verify Gannon was at home. More fucking coaching. And then there's some more photos, including the selfie that I talked about that come out and things like that. After this, she does add in a detail that her and the kids got Burger King after to eat. And then she's also asked about Gannon leaving to go to a friend's house and says that she can't comment on that because it's part of the investigation. And then when asked if she thinks this video will help clear her name or clear the air type of situation, she starts in a totally different tone than the tone she's talked in the whole time and is like, I hope. But then she like catches herself and stops. And then she asks if she's still being filmed. And the guy's like, yeah, we didn't turn it off yet. And as soon as she knows, she just snaps back because like you got to watch it. It's like a totally different tone. It sounds very rehearsed. And I'm just like, hmm. Okay, lady. Okay. Towards the end of their interview, of course, with missing persons, they're always like, if you have any kind of message, what would you say to Gannon or, you know, the victim or to anybody who might know anything? You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. She says, Gannon, when you get here, you'll be able to truly tell what happened. And then I really hope I get a sincere apology from everyone who has made all those things which I mean, I think she meant to say said those things, who has said all those things, especially from my husband. Then it cuts to another message and she still got her back to the camera, but now she's crying and says, we just want to add a message to Gannon from my family is that we love you and miss you and we hope that you come home soon. And Gannon, I can't wait till you come home and let everyone know that you're okay. We love you. Fake as shit. I'm sorry. That's my opinion going to come through for you. So pocket that because I don't know if she thought he was going to cut the other one or what, but I am glad we got to saw both because I feel like that says some shit. So the little I told you family dynamic sidebar thing I had for you, it's alleged that Tisha actually used to be married to Landon's brother and was her best friend, then ended up having an affair with Al. Gannon's dad. And that's how they ended up together. So that's reason for animosity besides current situation we have now. And I saw that in multiple places on multiple videos. 
Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. So then on February 1st, the search continues with 160 people and the family, minus Tisha, of course, meet with them and thank them for everything that they're doing for Gannon and trying to help him and find him and all that good stuff. And at this point, they're getting tons of tips. By the third, they had over 160 tips come in. Damn. Yeah. And it just grows and grows every day. Thanks to tips because police say, you know, they get questioned, why do they focus on the areas they do? And they say it's because of the leads and the tips they get. Well, on the third, this is when they start to focus on the neighborhood. And then on the fourth, there's things removed from the home by the crime lab. They said they were there literally all day taking stuff. So they must have taken quite a bit of things. And then the next day, this is something they said's not common. The DA, Dan May, is actually seen there at the house and is like visiting with them and stuff. And then also the same day, we get another family statement, but this time it's from Al and Landon. Again, of course, not with Tisha. Theirs is essentially the opposite of hers. Theirs is what you would expect. They are both distraught, of course. Mm -hmm. They're focusing on Gannon, the missing child. I also double-checked, you know, there's no past tense. It's all present tense when they're talking about him and everything, you know, like one of the things that Landon says is like he loves Sonic and stuff like that, you know. Mm -hmm. It just, it to me, it just looks like genuine fear and concern on these parents' faces. And the dad is just even worse. It's just like he's just got this, in the initial press conference, he actually cries Mm-hmm. But these other things, he does get choked up and stuff, but it's just he has this like sorrow and people are just because, you know, it's all speculation, obviously, just reading body language and things like that. It's almost like hopefully he doesn't blame himself for whatever the outcome is, because it's obviously there's no way you can know that to happen. You know, you just you feel fucking terrible. Mm. They also had the younger sister, the other daughter there. And she's, you know, she's like moving around and stuff while they're talking and whatnot. But then at the end, she's like, I love you, Bubba. And it's just so fucking heartbreaking. Oh, it's really sad. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, how old is the little sister? I read something that said she was eight. She might just because my kid's like, you know, petite. She might just be petite, but she seems like maybe she's a little younger. But what I read, she was about eight years old. Do you have anything what she says? That's all she says in it. But I mean, like, do they ever question her? Or do they ever ask her, like, what happened to your brother? They aren't telling anybody anything. Uh, okay. Like, literally Every question they ask of that kind of thing is like, I can't comment on that because it's part of the investigation. Oh. If you look in the sources, there's like a Facebook stream and literally everything. So people are frustrated, but they're also wondering if they're using everything to build their case against Tisha. Right. And we've talked about that on this show before where you can't, like, police can't give out every bit of information because then you get the crazies who call in and are like telling all that. But what they're trying to get is tips that already corroborate the stories that they've already gotten. Yeah. She's pretty young at most, like probably second grade, third grade, if that. So she's really young. Yeah. But you could ask you could ask your little nugget a question and she would be able to answer. Mm -hmm. That video we're going to get to can also there's some things where she might she may not know. Got it. I won't jump too ahead yet. 
So from the 4th to the 6th, they get almost 100 extra tips. They have 184 on the 4th. And then on the 6th, they have 280 tips total. Damn. It's insane. So on the 6th, they also have a lot of people doing searches. They have 100 volunteers. They have four mounted unit members. And they have three search and rescue canine dogs focusing on the neighborhood again. So I think they're kind of honing in on this area right now at this time. And they're also having another group out of their teams focusing on Big Johnson Reservoir. And just because at this point, there is lakes and bodies of water and things like that. So, you know, you have to check them, unfortunately. And then on the 7th, they have this submersible remotely operated vehicle with sonar. I don't know what any of that means, but okay. It's an underwater drone. Right. And essentially, it was used to find bodies in water. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the tips are still climbing. They're at 309 tips. And then on the 8th, they have a candlelit prayer vigil held there in Larson Ranch for Gannon. And then during the 8th and the 9th, we have some interesting things pop up. So like I said, they're focusing on the neighborhoods and then authorities and also the media start to focus talking with neighbors. This may have started sooner also, but this is when it starts to really like highlight. The first one being that either I think it was one of their next door neighbors or like one really close. She is like this retired lady. And she said anytime things would pop up with the kids that Tisha loved to talk and Tisha would tell her. But she found it odd that when Gannon went missing, she didn't hear from Tisha at all that day. She actually found out that Gannon was missing because she saw his picture on the news and she recognized him. What? Yeah. So that's interesting. And then also, this is when the surveillance video that I told you all about earlier, where it shows her leaving and then coming back. This is when this surfaces as far as like the actual time. Got it. And this was just another neighbor, you know, like nothing crazy. Like he's just a normal person. He worked at like Home Depot or something. And the neighbor had said that when he showed Al... Al broke down and was crying and said, I knew it. I knew she was lying. Okay. Yeah. And one more video comes up. This video is actually comes from Tisha herself. Apparently, when she, I can't even say when she did, because apparently, first of all, this woman likes to deactivate and reactivate her social media accounts. And possibly has fake accounts, which I mean, you know. So there's this video from the said candle incident. I'm going to let you listen. And if you guys haven't, the title to look for is I'm Bleeding. Gannon Stalk, full 56 second video. He tells Letitia he's injured. So yeah, that's a little clip for you there. And then me and Jessica are going to talk about it. Okay, so this whole incident with that video is the candle thing supposedly he knocks this candle over and burnt carpet so bad that she's saying all this stuff to him. Mm -hmm. So I have problems because one, I feel like this is just my opinion. Everyone, you can parent however the fuck you want. You should not be talking about getting kicked out of your house. You should not be talking about expenses like that with your child. Like, that's just not right. Especially with your stepchild. 
Like the fact that it goes a little further and the father isn't home. And I get that. Like when you have a combined family, like you parent, like you're a parent. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like that's a devastating thing to be able to say to an 11 year old. Like basically you're the reason we're not going to have a home. Right. And other things to note during here, too, is he's not just at least to me, it doesn't sound like he's just upset. It sounds like he's in distress or something almost like, I don't know, he's scared something, which, of course, if you're having this stuff said to you, hello, you're going to be fucking scared. Right. People have speculated that she was punishing him during this and possibly went too far and injured him at this point. And that's why instead of taking him to the actual doctor for the constipation, she called the triage line instead. And then also at the very end, you guys all post this on social so you can listen and let us know if you hear it or if you don't. At the very end on this specific cut, because they play the cut a few times, but on this first one, there's a part where he says something very faintly and a lot of people think he says, I'm bleeding. And right before he says that, he's crying and he's coughing. So, of course, people are speculating, like, was he coughing up blood? Was something bleeding on his body? Like, what does this mean? And you mentioned the other daughter earlier, but not in that cut I had you watch. But later in the video, you see a different cut where the beginning's longer. And you see her, you see Tisha go in the younger daughter's bedroom or wherever she's, you know, she's in bed. She's like taking a nap or something. Mm -hmm. And Tisha's just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. And like freaking out. And the little girl's just kind of like, why? You know, what's wrong? Mm -hmm. So it's just, it kind of throws fear into people that, oh my God, is this after she hurt him? And it ended up being worse because it's crazy. I even went down the rabbit hole of Reddit to just read comments and see what people were thinking. And there was some people on there who work in the like healthcare industry. One was like a nurse and she was just like, I know what distress sounds like. I have worked in hospitals and stuff like that. And that's exactly what this sounds like to me. So it's fucking terrifying. So, you know, and of course, the only people who actually know what the hell is going on is her. And it's also unclear why she even posted this to her Facebook. There was comments saying she accidentally recorded this and then I guess for some reason thought to put it on Facebook. I don't know, to be like, see, look, like he was getting in trouble. He did burn this candle or whatever or, you know. Right. She does a lot of weird shit like that to try to cover herself or plant a certain story. So it's just really weird. After this, more work is continuing on through the 10th. And then here we are on February 11th and we get an official written statement from Tisha. Oh. Yes. And I'm going to read that to you because it's a whole thing. Please do. First and foremost, I would like to thank all agencies, volunteers, and community members who are working diligently and praying endlessly to bring Gannon home safe. Thank you to my husband who has stayed strong through this and protected our family to the best of his ability and our immediate and extended family members throughout the East Coast. To Gannon, please come home soon because your daddy is waiting to watch the new Sonic movie that comes out this week and the cool shirt I got you to wear to the theater is in your closet. Social media has been devastating from the harsh comments, speculations, threats, cyberbullying, etc. 
It has been a challenge when people are trying to run you off the road, waiting outside your hotel, threatening to kill you, etc. I encourage the sheriff's office to take down those pages that promote negative behavior and violence. Let's do what Gannon would do. Be kind to one another. We have all engaged in something crazy online at some point, but Gannon would want everyone to get along and focus on finding him. I know that many people have kids and are invested in this because it hits close to home for them. I would like to think that overall, most people are genuine and want to do everything in their power to find G. With that being said, please take a step back for a moment and let me explain to you a few details that were not released. For example, just like the video that was leaked, there are additional details that were hidden due to one, the department doing its job, two, the effect of social media and how some individuals would criticize or hinder the investigation. I chose to listen and didn't leak videos or information. But at this time, it's getting later in the process and we just want Gannon home. I feel the need to fill in some gaps. Now let me stress this. Police have known this since the first interview. Saturday night, G was helping me unload the garage and cut his foot because there are a lot of tools because Albert does woodworking. He sat at the edge of the car and we bandaged it up. He was good to go. He always loved helping his dad in the garage build things like his Lego tables and the flower pot they built me as a gift. After this, I noticed G kept going to the side of the house. He told me he was checking to see if the gate was locked because he was the only one with the gate key. It made him proud to be the man of the house while Albert was away. Fast forward, we did a hike on Sunday, cleared, and shopped on Monday, cleared as well, for him getting out on the other side. Please do not think for a second there isn't enough of technology to determine shadows and movement around the truck. There was also proof from my phone that we had taken a selfie in the truck in our driveway and that was timestamped. We always send pictures to Albert when we are out and about or when he is away. That can be scanned for actual time verification. Last, from day one, the sheriff's office has known a description of the person slash friend whom Gannon left with. I explained to them and provided evidence. They had provided information about G having the key to go out the side gate. Last, they have more in-depth details that go along with this pointing to who sent the person or why he may have come. Again, I repeat that they had this initially and I was asked to keep quiet about it so they could have the best shot at doing their jobs and bring G home. The last thing they needed was a hindrance to their investigation. I encourage you to think of any suspicious cars that may have been in the area watching a few days prior and keep praying for G. And then she signed it. That's a it's a whole lot of something. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, that gate, there's really nothing else about the gate. So a lot of people are like, maybe they found something there. So that's why she keeps bringing up that he went over to the gates. Like, we don't know. But it's just one of those things she keeps reiterating that he had this key and then it was a side gate and it was him and it was just him at the gate and da 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 da. And we're like, okay, we get it. Like, if that's even real. And then the El Paso County Sheriff's Department decided to say a little response in regards to the this mysterious person she supposedly gave evidence of, which if you remember earlier, she said she was in the basement working out. So she can't even recall who said friend was. And now she magically knows who he, he or she is. OK, right. It's two different stories. Mm hmm. So. The uh, sheriff's department said, quote, right now, there is no threat to the community as far as this case goes. We don't have those specifics to put out there yet, and we haven't done so. There's reasons for that, and we can't go into those details. And then they also say, we are really trying to also ensure that the community knows if there was a threat of some sort of public safety statement, if there was an abduction of some sort, if that information was revealed to us, we would absolutely put that out. 
We really want to stay on track and stay focused. And I can understand the community's concern with the lack of information being provided, but we hope that the community can trust that we're doing that because we want to ensure there's no potential of it being jeopardized. So there's no abductor is what that basically says. Also, what they're saying is she's saying that she provided this information and the truth is she did not provide any information. Yes. And then they were also asked, are they doing anything in regards to like her saying she's getting all these threats, stalkers, etc. And basically they were just like, we're focused on Gannon. That's our concern is getting him home. And that if anybody is threatened by anyone, they need to contact law enforcement. So, a.k.a. she probably hasn't. Right. They need to contact that agency and report those threats and harassment or whatever else that been exposed to because it is a crime. So, obviously, in my brain, that means she hasn't said shit. That kind of sounds like it. And then in our time yesterday and then also through today because I watched another like quick video before we recorded. As of yesterday, they were up to 442 tips. Damn. Yeah. And they have spread their search to North El Paso County and also South Douglas County. And then they also did put out, you know, a thank you to everyone that's volunteered. But at this time, they do have plenty of people who are volunteering, but people can, of course, donate like food, water, things like that to the proper places if they want to contribute in that way. Mm hmm. Uh, last little couple things that are not really, you know, anything too, too important, but I mean, could be important. I don't know. You know, the question also comes up with like, if Tisha did do this, kind of what would make her do this or what would have led her to do this, that kind of thing. And essentially, I guess there had been trouble in paradise as far as the marriage goes. Oh, Yeah, it's kind of it's little things. And she's been like deactivating, reactivating different accounts, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, paper trail for that's a little difficult. But take this with a grain of salt if you would like or uh, enjoy the extra tea, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So it was found on LinkedIn about earlier in January. So like the first week of January. So almost a month before he went missing. That T had actually applied to become a flight attendant and the home basis she applied at was in Denver, which isn't too unreasonable because it's about between an hour and a half to two hours. So it's like right there. But she also applied to Miami, which is not close. Well, a lot of flight attendants don't fly out of places they live. No, but it's one of those things where she tried to play the martyr and she didn't finish her doctorate because she was busy taking care of the family and raising the kids and da 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 da. But then why are you going to go get a job where you travel a lot? So just a little like, what's going on? Right. That's true. And then another thing, and this is just like I said, this is just extra bonus stuff for you guys. I guess Alan T used to have a joint Facebook account, which, you know. That usually means somebody's insecure or somebody's cheated. Or if you're one of those people that has a joint one and you're offended right now, sorry. But that's just kind of the joke with joint accounts. Well, I mean, they cheated with each other. Exactly. It's that thing of they cheated with you. What makes you think they're not going to cheat on you? Right. I think there's only two acceptable, like there's only two times people have joint Facebook accounts. It's when... Uh, One member of spouse really doesn't want to use social media, so the other spouse just includes them. Right. Or there's insecurities. True. So it could be either one. We do not know. But I guess kind of around that time, too, she changed the Facebook to just her. 
So people are like, that's interesting. Hmm. And just with all the other animosity and stuff, and then like her basically jumping ship as soon as Landon got there or being pushed out because maybe Al, like Al could think she's done it. I don't know. We don't know. And this is her saying she was kicked out. He may not have even kicked her out. We don't, you know, that's private details. Right. But those were just a couple weird things because literally, oh my God, you guys, there's subreddit specifically for this case. And there's there's a lot of good information too. Like the people are pretty good about posting like all the articles and the videos and stuff as they come out, like the press conferences and stuff. But if you kind of want a rabbit hole on like sidebars and stuff like that, definitely check like comments and stuff like that. But of course, that's not what's important here. What's important is hopefully them finding Ganon and getting some answers. Like I said, I just don't, I don't know. I just don't have a good feeling about it. I hope that this kid's okay. But this stepmom is just, she's got too many inconsistencies and just, I don't know, just stuff does not sit right with me with her at all. Yeah. And she sounds like she's trying way too hard to prove that she's innocent. Like, right. And to address a couple things, in my opinion. Yeah, go for it. I think when you say that, like, we don't know if she's been kicked out of the house. I think at this point, like Al or somebody would have said, we didn't kick her out. Like she left on her own. Yeah, this is true. No matter what, like you hear that little boy, like you hear him in that video with her and he sounds like there's either... Like, you hear that when kids who have either been, like, smacked around or with kids who are really upset because they've really been spanked. Mm-hmm. Like, really, or they're really petrified. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's saying, quote unquote, and I don't know if they've, I'm assuming they've confirmed with the advice nurse. That she called or whatever, yeah. Yeah, that she said that he had constipation. I'm wondering if maybe, like... A body blow or something has caused some like intestinal distress. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that could explain the bleeding. Like he could literally be like rectally bleeding or something like that. He doesn't say like I'm bleeding from my butt or anything. But like that's kind of like what I was thinking is like the coughing. Like like he sounds like he's in pain. Mm-hmm. And maybe he knocked the candle out. Like this is pure speculation. I want to say this. Yes. Uh, maybe he knocked the candle over and she just in a fit of rage just started to beat him. I don't I don't know. This is speculation. This is just to go down that rabbit hole. Could be completely wrong as well. Yeah, no, no, no. Let me just say that that's kind of the page I'm on because I told you I rabbit hold on Reddit. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where, especially since this video came out, that's kind of the path people are thinking that she just either whether this was the first time she did this to him or she had abused him in the past and this time just went too far and he got an internal injury and died or what have you. I, we don't know yet. Or if he's alive and she's stuffed him somewhere. I don't know. Well, I'm assuming she's being followed. Well, right. But I mean, she had that four hour window where, yeah, she popped into PetSmart a couple times, but Right. You know, that would have been her chance. But yeah, no, that seems kind of like a top theory for sure. It's heartbreaking, but it's definitely a top theory for sure. It's very weird because you have this woman who is spending an exorbitant amount of energy defending that she didn't do it. And you're not looking at a woman who is out there day in and day out and looking. And the fact that she keeps saying, 
to him, like, just come home. Like, I got a shirt for you in a closet. It's like, go see Sonic with your dad. And Oh, he's going to come home. And prove you wrong. It's weird because it's overly stressed. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of feelings about it. I think I really want to watch a lot of the videos and stuff as well. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, that's that's heartbreaking. Because unfortunately, every time she makes a statement, every time she deactivates or activates a Facebook account, every time she does anything like that, she takes away from Ganon and I think also one of the things is, is that she's has to be a lead suspect. She's the last quote unquote adult to see him alive. And the fact that they haven't talked about what this little girl knows. Right. The little girl has to know something. Yeah. Because, I mean, she's eight. I hope she's not younger and I fucked all that up. Well, e- either way, like she has language skills. Right. And I mean, I just like there's so many things. And the fact that like her daughter comes out and is like, hey, tell them that you saw Ganon like after the hike. And the fact that this has all been recorded and all this is, you know, very public now. Mm -hmm. T just needs to go and sit somewhere and shush her face for a while. Right. Because that was another thing. They're like, if she has a lawyer, why isn't this lawyer telling her to shut the fuck up? Probably because she doesn't have a good lawyer. If she even has one. Right. And also, you have to look at it like this. If you're in for an interview, you most 100% have the right to stand up and walk out of an interview room. Mm -hmm. Until they say to you, you're under arrest or we're holding you for however long, they can say to you, like, you can ask, like, you know, can I go? And they can say, not till we're done. Yeah. But you can say, like, nope, I want to go and then go. And, like, I keep just coming back in my mind to the fact that Al has kicked her out and his ex-wife, the boy's mother, is in the home. It would make a lot more sense that if he thought she was innocent, that he would be like, my wife is here, we're doing this in solidarity, the mother of the child is here, we're here in solidarity. The fact that she's not in the home, whether he kicked her out or of her own volition, like, it's just so sus. Her whole thing is sus. Yeah, it definitely is. Oh, goodness. Well, um, this is a long stabby, so sorry. Sorry, guys. (laughs) But uh, we are going to go ahead and wrap it up again, as this is an ongoing investigation. Please check the show notes and the social for those tip lines and tip email. If you guys have any information that would help them find Ganon, please send it in. We are sending our thoughts and prayers to this little boy and his family, and we are wrapping it up here, and we will catch you on our next regular episode. Bye, guys. Bye.